Hey, good morning. It is December 1st, 2020 on this Giving Tuesday. We've got about five or six real fun stories to tell you about this morning. Courtney Lachlan in for Kelly Collis again. Hey, I'm Tommy McFly. What do we got, Court? A whole lot of stuff, Tommy. Um, you mentioned it is Giving Tuesday, so we actually have a special guest coming up that's going to talk to us about what it's like to run a nonprofit during a pandemic. Um, Felicity Huffman is out of jail and she's got a new TV show. That was fast. Yeah, I want her agent. Um, <laughs> and then library growers. This is cool. Fairfax Food for Fines program. We'll tell you all about that. You can um, get involved. Plus, try saying Fairfax Food for Fines three times fast. <laughs> I just buff muffled it on the first try. <laughs> you can get the Real Fun DC app to get all of our shows on demand, plus extra content anytime, anywhere you get your apps or your podcast. Broadcasting around the Beltway and beyond, it's Tommy and Kelly made in D.C. on the Real Fun D.C. channel and on demand anytime, anywhere you get your podcast. So, Locker, we got to start this morning. We join you with some <laughs> not breaking news. Merriam-Webster, right, we the dictionary people, they've announced the word of the year and the word of the year for 2020 will be no surprise to you. It is pandemic. They had to come out with a story on that? Yeah, they made a graphic and everything. <laughs> so they declare a word of the year every year and they declared the 2020's word of the year is pandemic. Huh. Mm-hmm. Which would be no shock, I guess. Um, as of March 11th of this year, the word pandemic had a 115,806% increase in searches <laughs> of the day of the year before. I, I, these kind of things always make me chuckle because that and then like the most Googled searches of 2020, mm -hmm. uh, socially distancing, pandemic, um, I, it is interesting, though, to see the times and if you even go back in the times to see what the years were either last year or the year before. Um, but, yeah, I mean, no surprise there. Pandemic. I feel like that could be fun to do at some point, right? Like to go back because they also have other words of the year of the year that they had, you know, I guess runners up. There were 11 of them like coronavirus um, is one of them. Um, Mamba, which, of course, mm. uh, pays tribute to Kobe Bryant. Kraken which is not political. It's more about the Seattle Kraken that's coming. That was the fourth runner-up for Word of the Year. Really? Yeah. Look at NHL getting some love high up on lit on that Pe list. Wow. Peeps were excited about that. Um, also, Antebellum from Lady Antebellum, but also it's, you know, um, the, def the definition and the time, you know, was tied to slavery. So with all right. of uh, the conversations we've been having this year, that got, you know, pulled into the middle of everything and, Lady Antebellum has changed their name and the, all that stuff. Um, I found interesting. Uh, number seven was Schadenfreude, which is um, Schadenfreude is the um, taking pleasure in someone else's misfortune. Uh, okay. So um, I'm not sure what that means or says. So, like, if something happens to somebody, you're, like, not supposed to feel happy about it. Maybe they're not a great human being, and you're, like, I kind of feel good about that. But was that, like, a theme in 2020? Um, uh, uh, maybe. I, I, I think it depends on who you ask. And um, Really? Yeah. Some people, some people felt a lot of shot in Florida about 
bad things happening to bad people. So yeah. Okay. I, I was going somewhere else with that. Depends on, de- depends on where you fall in the world. Yeah. Um, also malarkey was 11. This is the 11th place word. <laughs> so of course this is something that uh, president like Joe Biden uh, has made famous over the last few years. So that was, I think emblazoned on the side of a bus at one point, the no malarkey tour or whatever they did. So there you go. The word of the year pandemic. When you talk to your family and friends, you'll be like, Hey, I've got some breaking news. Word of the year is pandemic. And then they'll be like, be like Tommy McFly told me (laughs) (laughs) not breaking news. Um, really cool too. Yesterday, of course, um, was cyber Monday. We're in the middle of small business Saturday and giving Tuesday and all of the days, uh, yesterday, the women's food fest, which is a DC collective of females who are, um, in the restaurant business, who are chefs, who are restaurateurs, who are producers of products that restaurants use. And they announced these really cool holiday market gift baskets. So um, they put together these curated baskets that are all products made by women or sold by women in the D.C. area. Think like Ice Cream Jubilee and um, Sticky Finger Sweets and Riss and Pizza Paradiso and Sloppy Mamas and all of these great um, D.C. products. And they put together all of these um, really neat packs that you can get if you're a little stuck after all the holiday shopping done to get somebody. Uh, that would be like me for every single person on my list. So sign me up. There you go. Go to the uh, Women's Food Fest website. They've got them right there. You can buy them through Toast, uh, which is a, a platform. And also there's like curated dinners too. So these female chefs curated these like box dinners you can send to people. Awesome. Um, and the wine seems pretty affordable too, Locker. I know that's probably a follow-up question you had. I was going to ask about the wine. Is it just me though? I'm having a really hard time holiday shopping this year. Yes. Okay. So it's not yes. just me. Yes. And yesterday during Cyber Monday, I was on Amazon and they're like deals for you. And I was like, this sounds great. But then it just freaked me out because of how well they knew me. And I was like, I, I think we need to have a, we need a break. <laughs> Alexa has been, uh, she's been, she's been listening in a little bit too much, I think. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, that was a little bit freaky, but I, I do feel like the Cyber Monday deals weren't that deal horrific. No, but I also feel like Cyber Monday like bleeds into the weekend, right? You've got Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Black Friday sales last until Sunday, and then it's just like a rollover continuation to Monday. Yep. Oh, also, um, I was listening uh, to the news yesterday, and they were like, Black Friday in-person mall shopping was down. <laughs> Not breaking news. <laughs> I saw that headline too. It's like more people are online shopping. <laughs> it's like, okay. Oh, oh, really? Oh, oh, tell me more. Where do I click for more information about more people? I wonder why more people were um, going ahead and shopping, uh, you know, not in a store this year. I can't imagine why that would be. Word of the year pandemic. Hey, Tommy, it's also December 1st, which is holiday season. Christmas season is closer. And what is what goes with Christmas? The Nutcracker. Of course. And I know the Washington Ballet with everything happening. Um, they're another company that's been struggling with the performance arts and live performances. But this is really cool. So they're actually offering a free virtual performance starting on December 1st um, that will be streaming on Tommy the platform is oh, it's a marquee tv i think yeah. is what it's called which i think you need a subscription for but it's like an arts performance um site and uh the washington ballet i believe talked to fox 5 about that right you saw it 
Yes. There will be four casts with some 300 children performing. And while the performance is only open to the family and friends of the students, there will be some options for the public. So it's available premiering December 1st. Um, and you need to get a subscription to Marquee TV and you can do that through the Washington Ballet's website. I love this because I feel like it's like the best way to get into the holiday spirit. I haven't seen the Nutcracker in a while, um, but I think I kind of want to. I'm um, not entirely familiar with the story. With like Clara. And... Yeah. So I, I remember vividly going to see it at the FM Kirby Center in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania in like fourth <laughs> grade as a field trip. And I was like, there was a mouse and, a, and there was dancing and there was tights and there was like a food fight. <laughs> But can you just go ahead and um, you no, know, I just, can't just refresh people. us about the Nutcracker because in the Washington <laughs> Ballet one, like George Washington's in it, I think too, and like Ruth Bader Ginsburg was in it at one point. Like I don't, I need. Oh, you're putting me on the spot. Um, I'm sorry. I no, thought okay. you're supposed to be the cultured one here, Locker. I, you know what? I haven't seen it in a while either. Um, but I used to always watch watch it on TV. Um. I mean, it is a Russian ballet. It's a two-act ballet written in 1892. Perfect. It was a good year for ballet. Um, Tchaikovsky's. I did know that. I don't remember the plot. Sorry, I apologize. It premiered in St. Petersburg, though, in 1892, like you said. I'm on Wikipedia as well. <laughs> I, I, I guess you can kind of, like, add your own flair to it, because, like, George Washington, you know, is in the Nutcracker of the Washington Ballet at some point. I remember hearing that on an ad. Yeah, because I think with any play that's done over and over or musical, they always try to twist it and change the costumes a little bit and add a different time period. Um, operas do that all the time where the director will come in and kind of put it, his own little spin on it. Mm -hmm. um, so I do know that DC did their own little spin to kind of tie it back to the roots here. So you're an opera person more than a ballet person. I am. Yeah. I like the singing a little bit more than the dancing, but I do appreciate the arts like that. It's just, it is a really cool event. And then they're also doing um, an event on this Saturday and it's called like the Nutcracker tea party tea time. Oh, cool. um, and they kind of give you a behind the scenes look of everything happening with the Nutcracker. They've interviewed some of the characters and kind of an interactive way to get a feel for what's been going on inside the Washington Ballet and their Nutcracker that they're putting on this season. And so the young girl's favorite Christmas toy, the Nutcracker, comes to life and defeats the evil mouse king oh, in yeah. battle. Thank okay. you, Wikipedia. That's what I learned today. Oh, look at that. Right. If you've come here for culture, you've come <laughs> to the wrong place. These are not the droids you're looking for. I apologize. Well, if I had known that I was going to give a synopsis of it. I, I, I understand. You thought that I was so cultured and so worldly that, of course, I would know about the Nutcracker. I apologize for letting you down. And then everybody would. <laughs> uh, Fairfax is doing something really cool. So Fairfax um, Libraries have been trying to figure out how the heck they can get some of their fines recouped or will they ever get their fines recouped? Because those library fines, man, those will stick with you for the rest of your life. 
And uh, Fairfax went ahead, and this is according to the patch I saw this morning in the Fairfax patch, that food for fines in the library program today through the end of the year will allow you to bring in canned goods, non-perishables, and the library will reduce your library fines by a dollar for every food item that you donate, up to $15. So that's pretty awesome. That's awesome. Um, I do have a question, though. I didn't realize people participated in libraries as much. Sorry, my alarm just went off. Um, actually, it said snooze. Have I been snoozing for that long? Wait, Tommy, wait. am I awake? <laughs> no, it's all been a dream locker. <laughs> Go back to bed. Nothing I'm in the nutcracker here. dream right now. <laughs> um, I love, I mean, because I used to go to libraries all the time, but when things got so digitized and you were able to just buy books on Amazon, I thought that kind of libraries were on the out. But I think that's awesome that people are still going. Yeah, they've definitely, um, I don't want to say the word pivoted, but libraries have definitely evolved over the last, you know, 10, five years. Yeah. Um, where they've gone from just being like, this is the place I get that one copy of Harry Potter to um, more like a multimedia um, center now. So like libraries have a lot of um, ac access to like computer gear and electronics and that sort of thing that not every member of the community has access to. Plus they still have a ton of, you know, books obviously you can take out and um, they have other like liter literacy educational programs. I know in the district too, um, libraries are often like a warm place or a cool place in the winter and summer for people to go don't yeah. have somewhere to go. Um, so libraries, yeah, it, it's not so much like the like shh librarian anymore. <laughs> um, you know, libraries are hip and with it, man. They're really cool. I, I used Fairfax, to always love libraries. At this locker, Fairfax has um, collected 12,000 pounds of food with the food for fines program um, since 2018. Wow. Yeah. Good for so that's them. Awesome. That's awesome. I feel like we should revisit libraries though too, because I feel like it's not as um, reliant on the card catalog system anymore, which used to really, <laughs> really be tough to to deal with. And then they ended up putting it online, which was like a disaster. You could like check to see what was online, and it was like it's here, but it's not. Yep, we have that no Dewey idea. Deathmall man is ahead of his time. <laughs> I do you know remember... about that, but you don't know about the Nutcracker. Yeah, totally. Um, I remember very vividly, actually, um, in elementary school, the same place that I went to go see the Nutcracker, we learned about the Dewey Decimal System. We had like a quiz on like, this number means this or whatever. And we were allowed to abbreviate um, like some of the words because they were like really long and the page was too small. And um, <laughs> someone in the class raises their hand and they're like, Miss Price, who was the librarian, can we abbreviate fine arts because it's too long? And it was not her first rodeo. And she was like, no, you not write farts on my paper. <laughs> <laughs> you would remember that. Because the kid wanted to write F arts. Oh, <laughs> See, the things you learn that enrich you. Because fine, you take it makes farts. <laughs> and as Kelly will tell you when she gets back tomorrow, farts are always funny. Um, weird transition, though, into today, which is giving Tuesday. <laughs> Um, I wanted to ask you, Locker, because you have the Locker Family Foundation, the Locker yeah. Family Foundation um, that got started about a year and a half ago. How is it going and, and how are you making it through with, with Giving Tuesday and just with having a foundation in a pandemic? Nonprofits has been an interesting avenue during the pandemic. Just, I mean, everybody has a lot of struggles and everybody's struggling um, in their own way. It, it's tough. And it's, I think for us, 
we were a new nonprofit before the pandemic. And we had our first event in February, which was very successful. Um, but now it's kind of, we don't, we didn't have that framework to fall back on. Um, and so it's, it, it has been a struggle. I'm not going to lie in terms of things to do. And our foundation and our nonprofit relied heavily on events and my dad and getting the DC scene of athletes together. Um, I mean, and ultimately our goal is to help those with rare cancers because there are a lot of rare cancers out there. 25% um, of all cancer diagnoses are rare, but the most alarming thing is that 40% of those, 40% result in death. So there's still a lot of things that need to be figured out with these rare cancers because there's not a lot of them. Um, and, and for us, and I know a lot of other nonprofits around the DMV have been trying to figure out how to do virtual events. Um, we're not quite there yet. It's just, I don't think we have the um, bandwidth, I guess I can say, to do it. It's just me, my mom, and my dad. Well, really, me and my mom um, running this thing. <laughs> um, my dad is just like, Dad, do this or be here. And he's like, okay. Um, obviously, he signs off on it, on everything. But in terms of the backbone of the organizational side of it, and the management of the side of it, it's definitely my mom and I doing a lot of the work. Um, so it's 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 been interesting to figure out how to navigate a virtual event space. Um, I haven't quite figured that out yet, but I'm hoping maybe we can do something in 2021. Well, everything got started with your mom's diagnosis, and yes. it was incredible that your family um, didn't just fight her cancer as a family. You right. were like, you know what, we're going to expand this out and, and make it more broad. Yeah, and that kind of started with the NHL's initiative with their Hockey Fights Cancer Month. And I know that their month is coming to an end because they usually do that for the entire month of November. And the Caps came out to my mom and they asked her if she wanted to drop the puck. And at this point, she had already gone through her entire, she had gone through surgery, she had gone through six rounds of chemo. And we we're all like, nobody had no, nobody knew that she even had cancer was going through all this because it was also the Caps Cup run. Mm -hmm. um, so we hadn't made the her story public. And when the Caps came to her and said, do you want to drop the puck on Hockey Fights Cancer Night? We're all like, wow, mom's going to say no. It's just like not her style. She's like, my dad can be in the spotlight. I can be in the spotlight. But I like to be behind the scenes on things. And she said yes. And that I think that was a platform for her to make her cancer known. And it's not just about her. It's about all the other women and men and children that have a rare cancer that aren't getting the attention that the bigger cancers are getting, which is wonderful. Susan G. Komen has done wonderful things and she has changed breast cancer because of that. But there's a lot of other cancers that we'd like to see ultimately maybe get to that point where they're not so rare anymore. And you're doing it with the Lachlan Family Foundation. So this Giving Tuesday, um, if you want to help out, it's the Lachlan FamilyFoundation.org to learn more about what they do and to, and to support. And it's Lachlan. L A U G H L I N, <laughs> no relation to Aunt Becky, which was Lachlan, L O U G H L I N. You should actually buy the Lachlan spelled like Aunt Becky domain too, because it's only a matter of time till Aunt Becky starts a nonprofit. So it's I feel true. like I feel like for her legal defense fund or something, you can get in there and like take all of her traffic. And don't you say that your phone still autocorrects Lachlan to the Aunt Becky Lachlan? Yes, because I've been talking about Aunt <laughs> Becky longer than I've been friends with you. <laughs> At some point soon, that's going to like, it's going to cross back over and you'll be the prominent Lachlan in my phone, but. That'll be the day that I'll be very happy to <laughs> that day. The L-A-U-G-H-L-I-N <laughs> familyfoundation.org if you want to learn more and get involved.
Uh, speaking of Aunt Becky and uh, Lori Loughlin and the college admission scandal, um, one of the other celebrities that were involved in that, Felicity Huffman, she is coming back to television. That was fast. That How's that now, possible? I, I, I don't know. She's got 250 hours of community service. She's did, I think, less than 20 days in prison. She paid about $30,000 for paying $15,000 for someone to rig her kid's college admission scandal. And now Felicity Huffman has got a new show. Ow. What the hell's wrong with you? You don't just buy someone a house. That's, of course, her playing Lynette Scavo on ABC's Desperate Housewives. But um, this is wild. So the L.A. Times and Variety and all these um, publications are saying that she has a pilot deal for an ABC sitcom based on a AAA baseball team. So she's going to be playing the owner, um, you know, fictitiously of the uh, Sacramento River Cats, which apparently the woman who owns the team got the team when her husband passed away suddenly and then hilarity ensues. Okay. Uh, how does she have a show? Who is her I, agent? I, right. I, <laughs> I don't know. Lawyer? <laughs> I don't know. Um, and so that like on, and there's no video or photos or pictures of this yet because ABC just announced it. So there's not like treatments or anything to show you, but um, like on, Oh my on gosh. the like surface of it, it seems like such a really cool idea because you've got like it's an ABC show. It's about this woman who gets this team and like all the hijinks that can happen around a baseball team. And um, the character's eldest son has Down syndrome and he's a huge um, baseball fanatic. And so like there's that right that there's someone with Down syndrome who's playing like a, a pivotal role in this show on a major network. Come up, but Felicity Huffman was just in jail. So, <laughs> are people interested in this? And are people interested in watching her? Like, I don't. How is this gonna survive? Or well, got- people just don't care? They're like, okay, she did her time. She did her thing. I'm excited to watch her again. There's gotta be. I think it's a little bit of both, right? Because yes, like she did pay her debt to society. Like she went to jail. She got a, a deal or whatever, and she went for like 19 days and 250 hours of community service. And thirty thousand dollar fine, but there weren't other actresses that we could like put in the role of. I don't. I I just feel like it. It happened so fast too after she got out of jail. So maybe like she was using those like prison phone calls to talk to her agent. <laughs> maybe <laughs> like is that who came to visit her? I have no idea. Hmm. And she's like of- she's like the lead role, right? Um. Yeah. Yeah, like she's like the woman who who owns the team. It's not like she's just a supporting role making cameo appearance. No. Here and there. No. No. So, yeah, I mean, people had said like from the beginning that like she wasn't as bad as Lori Lachlan and her and her husband Massimo who paid like half a million dollars. Um, you know, that Felicity just spent 15 to, you know, get that college admission thing fudged. But <laughs> uh Oh, I'm sorry. She ended up she ended up serving 11 days. She was sentenced to 19. She served 11, and she had that thirty thousand dollar fine. And it was back in October of 2019 because this year was a time warp. So I guess it was a whole year ago. But this is like what I want to know: do, do people care? Right? Has this tainted her image so much that people are like, I don't care about her. I don't want to watch her. Oh. Or are they just like, 
ah, whatever. She did her time. She did her thing. This is great. I loved her in Desperate Housewives. I can't wait to watch her again. I don't know. I feel like maybe we're just like so desensitized to all kinds of stupid <laughs> stuff that we're like, yeah, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> Lynette Scavo's great. Put her in the show. I don't care. Um, I mean, clearly, I think it's going to premiere huge because right. everyone's going to want to see it. But then, but like, is that the best move for a network to be like, yeah, I'm, you know, you were just in prison. That's cool. Hey, we got a script for you. I guess they believe in second chances. Yeah. Look at that. That's great. <laughs> I guess. Also like ABC is owned by Disney. So that's like an interesting thing that they would have her in it. Unless maybe she has like some kind of contract too. Cause a lot of, a lot of these like actors and actresses, they always show up on the same networks, TV shows because they'll have like a, contract for like right four shows or like five years and then the network is like we've just we've got these contracts so we just got to put people into these spots um but that's more with like mm -hmm. supporting characters like you know ever notice how like the secondary character from like this show ends up being a secondary character on that show and you're like oh see everyone from the show nashville <laughs> right i'm also just not a fan of because I, I feel like the role could be kind of, and yes, that's typecast, and she has a similar role. Mm -hmm. I also, when I loved a show so much, and I loved Desperate Housewives, every single episode, I was like, I was in it. Like, I watched her in that, and I'm good, right? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if, regardless of her past and what she did with the scandal and all that kind of stuff, I don't know, like, I don't know if I want to watch her again. Because she's so synonymous in my mind with Desperate Housewives. That show, even when that show was bad, it was good. <laughs> yes. We talked about that before we went on the air this morning. So I guess good. we'll tell. And if they're just announcing it now, I would say probably it would be out like fall of next year. Yeah. Or spring of 2021. But yeah, look at that. Look at that. Everyone gets a second chance, especially if you're <laughs> a rich actress in Hollywood. Hey, uh, coming up, we're going to talk to um, the guy who runs the catalog for philanthropy. If you haven't heard of it, it's the perfect topic for Giving Tuesday. The catalog for philanthropy has been around for like two decades in the D.C. area, and they specialize in um, vetting nonprofits, local nonprofits, large, small, medium, and they do all the legwork to make sure that the groups you're about to give to are doing the right things with the money and they have the right mission. And they also support nonprofits in getting them to their goals. And we're going to talk to Matt Gayer, who's the executive director, obviously giving Tuesday is like their super bowl. So he's got a little bit of time to spend with us. We're going to chat with him coming up about what it's like, um, you know, currently the mission of nonprofits and how there's a fund that the philanthropy catalog has set up that you can give to and help support a bunch of nonprofits around the DC region. And we'll talk to him next.